0: And that is the title of my message this morning, The Real Reason for the Season. And you might think, boy, Mike, we've heard this before. We think we've got this part nailed. Well, the reason for the season, if you want to put up the next slide. I bet you never saw that, thought you'd see that picture in the church I was pastoring. That is not the reason for the season. And, not, and all that he represents... Now, I'm not putting it down, I'm not putting any of this down, but I want you to understand that really, I put that picture up there, not just to represent Santa Claus, but to represent our culture, and what it really is trying to turn Christmas into. It's about all the shopping, and all the partying, and all these things, and there's nothing wrong with the shopping, nothing wrong with the partying, nothing wrong with family, and celebrating, and getting together, nothing wrong with that, but that is not the reason. For the season. It's not. And the world wants us to at least go that far. If not, this is... You know, I told, I told Elodie on the, on the computer that I may be the only one that enjoys the humor in my next slide. So, you know, give me some grace here. Put the next slide up. How many of you have ever heard of Carl Sagan? Okay, it's just going to be you and a couple, three, four of my co intimate friends. Carl Sagan is a, a scientist. He's an atheist into science. There is no God. You, know, you probably haven't got a clue what axial tilt was. For those of you that think, boy, Mike's strange. I remember I was a science teacher first. Axial tilt, you know, the Earth sitting on its axis. You know, when you have to explain a joke, it's not a good thing. <laughs> so, I just love this slide. You know The rest of you can just hope the next one's better. Actually, the free reason for the season is axial tilt. For an atheist, that would be a real sarcastic answer to the reason for the season axial tilt the earth is on its axis it's positioned like this in the sun therefore it's cold here in minnesota you know we could wish reasons greetings reason is their god the atheist mary carlmas okay get the next slide up there i'm losing them (laughs) most of us as christians if i asked you what's the real reason for the season this would have been your answer amen how many of you would have said this is my answer Some of you are afraid because you feel like Mike's setting us up. (laughs) He does this all the time. He's setting us up. You're right. I'm setting you up. I am going to offer to to you this morning that Jesus is not the reason for the season. He's an important part. He's what we celebrate. We celebrate him because of what he did because of the reason for the season the real reason for this season we call christmas and for the birth of christ is the next slide i think almost a hint what does that say go back i like this picture though your sins are like scarlet i will make them white as snow isaiah 1:18 If you hadn't already seen the next slide, that would give us a clearer picture of what the real reason for this season is. Sins are scarlet. The real reason for the season is sin. Sin. Now, I'm not trying to be a Scrooge and ruin your holiday, but if we don't understand this, we miss what we're really celebrating. Have you ever, ever had anybody say something like this to you? You guys and your Jesus stuff. What do I need Jesus for? Now, if you haven't heard somebody say that or ask you that question, I want to challenge you that you haven't been sharing the good news of the gospel near enough. Because if you start sharing the good news of the gospel and you start sharing about Jesus, you're going to run into that. What do I need Jesus for? I got a new car. I got a big house. I got nice clothes. I got a little bit of money in the bank. Got food in the refrigerator. What do I need Jesus for? You guys just need a crutch. You are a bunch of wimps. I mean, what are you guys doing here today? Jesus. Well, if you don't understand the reason for the season, you don't understand why you need Jesus. You don't know why you need Jesus. The reason for the season is sin. And what I'm going to do just very briefly this morning, with more minutes than I thought I'd have, is look at Matthew. So if you want to turn to your Bibles in Matthew, I'm going to kind of just look kind of briefly at the different segments of what we call the Christmas story in Matthew. Matthew, basically chapters 1, 2, maybe 3. And look at what Matthew is trying to tell us. Now, I'm not going to put this first part, first scriptures on the screen, and I'm not even going to read them all because I'd make a fool of myself trying to pronounce all these names. And I can only do that so many times a day. So, if you look and if you have your Bibles in Matthew chapter 1, I'm going to read verse 1. Remember now, Matthew is primarily writing this to a Jewish people, a people that have been expecting a Messiah for a, a long, long, long time. And he's writing this, of course, after Jesus has come, he's been on the earth. For about 33 years. He's since been crucified, dead, buried, and raised from the dead and ascended to heaven. But he's still writing this story so people would get it. And he's writing it primarily again to the Jews. And he starts out in verse 1, he goes like this. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then he goes into, for a whole bunch of verses, all the way down through verse 16. With things like this. To Abraham was born Isaac, to Isaac Jacob, to Jacob Judah and his brothers. To Judah was born Perez and Zerubbabel Tamar and Perez was born and etc. And etc. And etc. And then in verse 6 he gets, and to Jesse was born David the king. Remember how we started the first verse? The genealogies of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then he goes on again. Solomon was born Rehoboam to Rehoboam etc. 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 And then he gets further along and he comes to verse 16. And to Jacob was born Joseph. And notice how Joseph is then described. The husband of Mary. By whom was born Jesus. Who is called the Christ. The Messiah. And verse 17 says, Therefore all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the time of Christ the Messiah, 14 generations. I'm thinking to myself, what an exciting way to start the Christmas message. A bunch of names that to most of us mean very little. And you could go through there and pick out some and go, that's pretty cool. But I think what we need to look at and understand here is, first of all, the foundation of Christmas. And we're going to come back to Matthew. If I asked you the foundation of Christmas, you might say something like this. Well, in the Bible, it evidently is Matthew and the the Gospel of Luke. And it seems to be focused on the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus, in that manger in a little town of Bethlehem. The foundation of Christmas. Again, I want to offer you this that is not the foundation of Christmas at all. That is the story of the first Christmas, if we want to call it that, but the birth of Christ. That's what it is. Where do you find the foundation, the first foundational verse about the birth of Jesus? Well, you got to go all the way back to Genesis. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, here's what's happened. God has created all that exists. He has created man in His image. He looked at man and said, you know, it's not good that man be alone. And He created Eve in His image. And we had Adam and Eve. And He placed them in the perfect, perfect environment of of Eden. No sin on the earth. No sin on the planet. None. They would have lived forever. All they had to do was avoid eating the fruit of one tree. And Satan, the devil, came in the form of a serpent and started speaking, tempting Eve. Sidebar, does anybody wonder why they don't throw any shock at a snake talking to them? Makes me kind of wonder, did they communicate with all the animals? I don't know, back on track. But it's interesting to me. And they eat of the fruit, and sin enters the world, and the penalty for sin was death. And this is where verse 15 comes into play. After God speaks to Adam and Eve, he turns and he looks at Satan, the serpent, and he speaks these words, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. When you look at that verse, it, it's like, what's this bruising stuff? The bruise on the heel is almost uh, 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 a or a or a phrase that would simply mean to trip up. He's saying, way back in Genesis, the prediction that there was going to be a baby named Jesus born and he would crush the head of satan. Satan would trip him up. It would look like God's plans are being thwarted and stopped that day when Jesus is being nailed to a cross. I'm sure every every demon that on the earth with satan was screaming in joy. We got him. But the reality was the power of sin, the power of death was broken. He was crushed his head was crushed. He was destroyed. His authority broken. And in that verse, we see the reference to the seed of the woman. That is a clear reference in Genesis chapter 3 that this seed, the seed is Jesus. And the seed of the woman, because it was a virgin birth, that is the foundation of the whole thing we call the Christmas story. Right there in Genesis chapter 3. Sin had came into the world. And though Adam and Eve, and because of Adam and Eve, all humankind from there on out was sentenced to death because of sin. Condemned because of sin. But God in His amazing mercy gave a promise of redemption right there in the garden. Right in the face of Satan. Satan through the one who would be born of a virgin Jesus Christ the Messiah In Isaiah 7:14 it says this Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and you will call him Emmanuel And for those that may not know Emmanuel simply means God with us So way back in Genesis the reason for this season took place in the Garden of Eden. Sin. That's why Jesus had to come. And if we don't understand the reason, what would we have to celebrate about the fact that He came? Great, a baby. Great, Jesus. Okay, God in the flesh. But it's the why. When we understand that there is a sentence of death on everybody who does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they are condemned to hell. And that was every single one of us until we accepted the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. So the reason we celebrate isn't the reason for the season. We don't celebrate our sin. We celebrate the solution to sin. We celebrate the fact that Jesus, God in the flesh, came and was born in the manger, was raised by his parents. He became the teacher, the rabbi. He became Jesus. He was the Messiah, the Christ, who died for our sins. That's what we need Jesus for. That's really a lengthy answer to the question when someone says, what do I need Jesus for? We've got it made. Most Americans don't think they need Jesus. That's why most Americans embrace the celebration of what our culture declares. And again, I love family gatherings. I love getting presents. I love giving presents. I love all that. But that's not what Christmas is about. And the enemy will use those good things to distract us from the real reason of this season. The birth of our Redeemer. The birth of the Messiah. And I believe when we look at Genesis, or excuse me, in Matthew 1, in those first 17 verses I just mentioned to you, I believe as Matthew was speaking primarily to Jewish people, he is trying to drive home the reality that this is who Jesus is. He is the Messiah. He starts in verse 1 and he says, the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, The son of Abraham. Jesus, the Messiah. Christ, Messiah. Same meaning. The Messiah. The son of David. The son of Abraham. And if we look at a couple of scriptures in in the Old Testament, to show that he's the offspring of David was a big deal to the Jewish people because that's who they expected. They expected a king riding in on a white horse with a great big sword and he would be a descendant of David. Well, they missed part of it. In Isaiah 9, 7, it says, Of the increase of his government... And peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing, upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Matthew is nailing this down for him. David, he would be of the lineage of David. The Messiah is coming from the lineage of David. Yes, this Jesus fit the bill. And his reign will be forever. He's going to be an eternal king. It should change their mindset, even though they're looking for an earthly deliverer, a king on a white horse or something, it would never work. An eternal king. And then we can look and see that in, in the offspring of Abraham in Genesis 12:3 and in Genesis 22:18, in both cases and I'm just going to read 22:18, it says, "In your seed, speaking to Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed my voice." And we can see that even in part of the Great Commission. Go into all the nations, making disciples in every nation, baptizing them because of what Jesus did. So Matthew is nailing it down. This is who Jesus is. He does fit as David's lineage, the eternal king. He fits as the son of Abraham, who is going to be a blessing to all the nations of the earth, to you and to me. He's nailing it down. And then we go on from that first segment of Scripture in Matthew to the second major section, and that's talking about Joseph. Or excuse me. Yes, Joseph. Mary's husband. And now, I've preached, and you've probably heard, and if you've studied it, you probably look at Joseph and think, Joseph's the main point of this segment of Scripture because that's who's talked about. I want to get offered to you that you're missing the main point. I've talked about Joseph. You look at Joseph, you know, he's a good man. He's a righteous man, it says. He did not want to use the law to stone his pregnant, betrothed wife. He wanted to put her away quietly, not kill her. Oh, what a good man. Then the angel speaks to him. We could always make another sermon on that one. Hear the voice of God. Listen. Listen to God, every one of us. And then we can say, he didn't just listen. Guess what he did That He obeyed God. Awesome teaching, awesome truths, and there's nothing wrong with any of it. It's great stuff. But I don't think that's the point that Matthew was trying to make. I think what Matthew was trying to tell us, remember what he was doing in the verse 17 verses? Proving to them that Jesus was the Messiah. He came from the lineage of David. He came from the lineage of Abraham, and he's continuing on now, and I believe he's still trying to reinforce the idea. He is trying to answer The how and the why. The how and the why. The how. How is the Messiah going to come? How is he going to be born? And he tells us clearly as he quotes. In Isaiah 7.14 is quoted here in Matthew. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and give birth to a son. And we will call him Emmanuel, God with us. That is the how. And again... You can't understate the importance of that truth that Jesus was born of a virgin. There are all kinds of people out there trying to, you know, blow smoke at that thing and say you guys are nuts. She wasn't born of a virgin. It's not possible to be born. it's not possible according to man. But this could not be the seed of man. That's why when it got to jo- to Joseph in the lineage, it said Joseph who was married To Mary, who gave birth to God, Jesus. God in the flesh, Emmanuel. And he's reinforcing that here. This is the how. And it's so important. When we diminish those things, or when the world tries to diminish the virgin birth, don't listen to that. Because if it was not a virgin birth, Jesus was a failure as a Savior because he was condemned just like every one of us. Because he would have had the original sin. But he wasn't. He was God in the flesh. How'd that happen? I have no idea. I know the Bible says the Holy Spirit came and there was a baby. Praise God, that's good enough for me. The how and the why. And again, the why could be twofold here. For my sermon, it could be yeah, here's the reason for the season. Matthew's point was this is why he's coming. In Matthew 1, verse 21, She, meaning Mary the virgin, will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. That's why he came. He came as God in the flesh through a virgin, pure, holy, and righteous. The sin of of humankind was not upon him. And he came to redeem us, to save us from our sin. Just think, the Jewish people at that time, they've been killing millions of animals for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years to cover their sin. And now here comes one who's going to just take it and wipe it away, wash it away, forgiving them. It's done. One time for all mankind. I think that's the real message of Joseph's part in the story. And the next segment of the story... It talks about the magi or the wise men that we saw here in our little our little play, the shadow play. The wise men come. And again, all we know is there were a few of them. We don't know how many. We assume three because they gave three gifts. We don't know where they came from, except they came from the east. We don't know how far east. But what do we know? I'm going to just read a few of the verses, starting in Matthew 2, verse 2. By this time, they have been traveling a long ways for a long time. And they get to Jerusalem. And if you read the story carefully, it sounds like they were traveling around the town of Jerusalem asking a whole bunch of people, where is he that's born king of the Jews? And obviously, we, he must have got this, this answer that looks similar to some of those faces I handed gifts this week. Huh? What king of the Jews? What are you talking about? This is the Jewish epicenter of their religion. If there's any group of people that knew the word of God, knew the prophecies pointing to a Messiah, if there was any group of people, especially all those religious leaders, those religious leaders, they were all there. Man, when these, these magi, these wise men were walking around the town, they should have been able to get an answer from just about everybody. They might have said, well, we didn't know he's born yet, but we know where he's coming from, Bethlehem. It's prophesied. But it seems like nobody had an answer. And Herod hears about this. King Herod, if you want to study an evil man, study Herod. He protected his... Reign with an iron fist, sharp sword. He killed most of his family members to protect his throne. Even when Jesus was born, he was an old man. He didn't have many years left in him anyway. But he was going to make sure if there was a baby born, he was killed. Back to the Magi. They come and in verse 2 it says, Where is he as born king of the Jews? For we saw a star in the east. And have come to worship him. They've come to worship him. Herod pulls together those that should know, and sure enough, they knew. And they said, Well, you know, the books say he's going to be born in Bethlehem. So the magi are pointed towards Bethlehem. And this still baffles me when I think about it. These magi from the east. They would have looked a little different than the typical person in Jerusalem. And they're asking this question about the king of the Jews. And they get an answer and nobody else goes to Bethlehem, just them. And it looks like when you read the story in the Gospels that they talked to Herod and his people he gathered together. He told them, they told them Bethlehem. And the star had evidently disappeared somewhere along the way. But now it says in verse 10, when they saw the star, all of a sudden the star shows up again. Now, I just want to encourage you as you read about the star and come to all these worldly explanations of what it was, but disappeared for a while. If all the planets were aligned, they must have unaligned and then realigned and done something else. Or God just showed his glory. His Shekinah glory shined. I, you pick yours. I'm going that direction. His glory shined and they saw the light. And it says this. They rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Now I like to do word studies. Exceeding. vehemently, High. Demanding. They went nuts is what it says. They were, they were sky high with great joy. The word there in the Greek is megas, like mega, mega joy. Man, they saw that star and their spirits soared. Their excitement, their, their enthusiasm, All here it is. And I, I can see from the scripture, they weren't excited because the journey was finally over. They were excited because they were going to be in the presence of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And verse 11 tells us, as was read in the narration this morning, when they came to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That word there, worshipped, one aspect of the meeting, and I, I, I like visual pictures. But the picture in the lexicon says, it's a picture of a dog licking its master's hand, worshiping. These guys, however many magi they were, it wasn't an accident that they got excited and worshiped. From the day they left, wherever they came from, they left for one purpose, to go and worship the king, to bow down before the king. It wasn't accidental. It was the goal from the very beginning to worship the king. The birth of the king. The kingdom of God breaking into the kingdom of earth. The kingdom of the world. And we see a reaction that isn't too surprising. We see it in Herod. What was Herod's response to the king being born. Well, we know the story, most of us. He had asked the wise men, he said, hey, when you go find him, come back and tell me where he is so we can go worship him too. Well, when he figured out they duped him because God spoke to the wise men, they went another way. He said, when was this supposed to happen? Let's go kill every single child in that city under two years of age. Trying to stop resisting the kingdom of God intruding into the kingdom of this world. It wasn't welcomed. The kingdom of God was not welcomed. It wasn't welcomed by Herod. He felt his power base being attacked. He'd kill anybody and anything, including most of his family, his children, his wife. He'd kill everybody. And no little baby was going to take his throne. The religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, did not welcome the kingdom of God. Just think we see not one single iota of evidence that a single religious leader of the nation of Israel went to Bethlehem. Not one. The kingdom of God had entered, intruded upon, if you would, the kingdom of this world. And I believe the application for us when we look at this story and the way Matthew brings it in with the Magi and their story, the question isn't so much, will you seek Jesus? Because you can make great sermons on seeking Jesus out of the wise men's trip. But the question really is is, will, let you, will you let the kingdom of God intrude into your life? We like to think we're king of our little old world. I am the king of my life. I'm the ruler of my life. It's called pride. And mankind wrestles with pride big time. And we talk to that person and try to share Jesus with them, and they say, "Why do we need Jesus?" They're in control of their life and they really don't want anybody else to have anything to do with controlling their life. The light came and man preferred darkness. In John 8, verse 12, it says this. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. question comes for us, is will we worship him, or do we try to extinguish the light? Herod tried to extinguish the light. The religious leaders and the Pharisees tried to extinguish the light. They didn't want to be bothered by this Jesus. No matter how much evidence there was no matter how many prophecies there were, no matter how many miracles that he had done, no matter the blessings he was pouring out on people in a nation, they wanted to extinguish the light. He wasn't what they wanted. And it hasn't changed 2,000 years later. Most of the world is still living in darkness. And it's simply by the grace of God every single one of us in here, it is a grace gift of God that we have accepted the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. And his expectation and his command is to go and share the good news. Share the good news of what God did in your life through Jesus Christ. Go and share the gospel message. And Christmas is an awesome time to do it. Because it's being talked about. At the very least, you can see the word everywhere. And you go, gee, notice that? It says Christ. Let me tell you about him in my life. There's so many ways and so many opportunities to share Christ. Even in a world that wants to extinguish that light. Because you and I are supposed to be the light. You and I are walking around, carrying the living God in our lives by the Holy Spirit. He lives in you and he lives in me. And we are to go and be the light, to share the truth. The real reason for the season. Give my my answer and you're going to see a lot of people look at you like you're really a weirdo. Sin. But what do we celebrate? The reason we celebrate the season Is Jesus. Jesus. It's so easy to just get enamored with or wrapped up in this thing we see on TV and all the cute plays and the neat little story about a baby in the manger. We might even call him God in the flesh but in my mind's eye I'm still seeing a little baby in the manger. What was laying in the manger was the creator of the universe. What was laying in the manger was the redemption of all mankind. What was laying in that manger was my Savior and your Savior. And that's what we celebrate. That God loved you and me so much that He took on the form of a man, a baby, and came to earth and allowed Himself to be nailed to a cross, tortured, to die for us. Because He's a just God, the payment. The payment for sin had to be made and he had declared that the, the price of sin was death. And you and I were condemned to die until that baby grew into a man named Jesus and died on the cross. So we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And I want to just offer to you once again to really understand what you're celebrating, you need to know why he came. Because the world was in sin and still today most of the world is rejecting that savior Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil Jesus came to establish his earth on this earth his kingdom and we will see the fullness of his kingdom when he comes back but it's here now and it's living in us And to share that message and to experience all of what that has, it's kind of a verse, the verse for our church. For our visitors here, if you you want to know what our mission is, John 10.10, The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. And Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's what we celebrate Christmas for. The abundant life of Christ in our lives today. Let's close in prayer as the worship team comes up here to close with a Christmas hymn. Lord, it's such an amazing story. With our natural minds, we can't comprehend hardly any of the details. A virgin birth, God in the flesh, a plan that required your son to die on a cross for me, for each one of us here. It's hard to understand. But Lord, I stand here and we are here as evidence, witnesses, living testimonies of what Jesus can do in the life of a person who accepts the gift of salvation. And Lord, I pray that if there is anyone here this morning that has never accepted the gift, never accepted the fact The reality that we were all sinners needed a Savior, and that Jesus, your Son, is the only answer. There is no other way. I pray, Lord, that today would be the day that they would receive that gift of salvation and surrender their lives to you and let you, let you take control of our lives instead of us trying to sit on that throne. I praise you, Lord, and I pray that as we go through the Christmas season meeting with friends and family, we don't forget the real reason for the season even as we remember why we celebrate.